This podcast is part of the Acast Creative Network. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, the midterm elections for the House of Representatives, where every member has to be re-elected, and the Senate, where I think one-third of the senators have to stand for re-election, they will take place in the United States on November the 8th, which is just about a month away. The stakes are huge for the Biden presidency, and for Donald Trump, who has made this these midterm elections about himself, as he tends to do about most things. But it's very, very important if it goes badly for the Democrats. Well, Biden, the last two years of his presidency, he will be a lame duck in terms of legislation, although he will have some residual powers, executive powers as president. But it's a very, very important date, November the 8th, in the United States. Now to discuss what's going on there and how the build-up to this uh, important election is going, we're joined by Niall Stanage. Niall is associate editor of The Hill newspaper, Washington newspaper, it's very respected. And Niall is also White House columnist for The Hill. Niall, the importance of these midterms almost cannot be overstated. And you wrote a very interesting piece this week laying out what's at stake for big players as well as the candidates, and in particular, candidates and Republicans who've been endorsed by Trump and other Republicans, governors, for example, like Ron DeSantis in Florida, who also have to stand for re-election. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. It's correct for a start that these midterms are of particularly massive importance, uh, partly because, as you say, they would have the capacity to hamstring uh, President Biden for the last two years of his first term, but also because of just the, the, the huge and fundamental debates that are going on in this country. And um, You're right that uh, about a third of the Senate is up for re-election and all the members of the House of Representatives, as you say. But when it comes to, for example, uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida, a figure who's sort of seen as the the second in line or the number two contender after Trump for the Republican nomination, um, he's running for re-election as governor of Florida. He is expected to win, but things like the margin of his victory will be closely scrutinized to see if that strengthens or weakens his 2024 
case. Similarly with Trump, I mean, he has uh, promoted and endorsed a number of candidates and helped them win Republican primaries, but several of those candidates are struggling in general elections. And so a lot will, uh, I, I think there'll be a sort of judgment by proxy on Trump in some of those races. Yeah. Tell us about DeSantis. Mm. He is, as far as I can see, right wing. Mm -hmm. He was, I think, a COVID denier. Certainly the lockdowns and stuff like that weren't Mm. his bag. Am I right in that? Assessment. You are. I, I think he. I think he would probably push back against the term COVID denier, but he was certainly emphatically against the lockdowns. And in fact, Florida had some of the most um, lax regulations during the worst days of the pandemic. So he's he is a he's a right wing populist, really, and, and some of the most vulnerable because of the number of elderly people who retire to that particular state. That's right, yes. The age profile in Florida is unusual for exactly that reason. There are a lot of older people who typically have moved from colder states for the warmer weather and then uh, were very much uh, vulnerable, obviously, to to COVID. And that's one of the reasons why DeSantis's um, permissive attitude toward regulations was so controversial. Now, DeSantis is expected to win, but as you say, the margin matters in terms of his presidential aspirations. And as things stand at the moment, he would be probably the favorite if Donald Trump decided not to run, or indeed, were he to take Trump on Mm -hmm. for the nomination, he might well give Trump a run for his money. Yes, he would be the only person who would do that within the Republican Party that I can see. There are, as we have discussed previously, Eamon, um, sort of anti-Trump Republicans, but they are not uh, large in number. They do not have a great deal of uh, political heft. And so, as a consequence, uh, Ron DeSantis would be the kind of character who one could imagine, uh, as you put it, giving Trump a, a run for his money. He's clearly the only candidate that the Trump camp uh, fears, I would say, yes. and uh, you know, as a, the the result in uh, of DeSantis's re-election campaign will uh, be seen as a indicator of his strength for twenty twenty four. Now, Niall, tell us about these people that ran in Republican primaries with Trump's backing mm. and won the primaries, and now have to go into the election. Some of them are rather colorful. <laughs> well, Mehmet Oz, sure. J.D. Vance, Herschel Walker, mm. and Blake Masters. Let's just talk about Mehmet Oz. Yes, let's. Mehmet Oz, better known as Dr. Oz. He is a TV doctor here. I don't know if his show was ever syndicated in Ireland, but he was on TV for many, many years here with a a very successful daytime television show. Also a rather controversial uh, daytime television show because he is a legitimate doctor, but he has a record of pushing rather... um, quackish remedies for things and has in fact got into trouble for that faced uh, serious questioning in congress for that long before he declared his candidacy he w- he's running in the state of pennsylvania he had been in a very competitive republican primary and trump's endorsement 
basically secured Oz's victory in right. that primary over a, a Republican businessman who was had the support of some of the party establishment. The point really is Oz is lagging his Democratic opponent, John Fetterman, in yes. Pennsylvania. And if Fetterman were to win, it would be really the one seat that Democrats in the Senate have the best chance of flipping. It's vacant because a Republican senator, Pat Toomey, is retiring. So a, a win for Fetterman would put the Democrats plus one in a Senate that currently is 50-50. Yes. Now, J.D. Vance, also colourful? Yes. J.D. Vance is an interesting figure. He uh, is best known probably as an author uh, for a book that was quite widely acclaimed at the time, Hillbilly Elegy, mm. about growing up in uh, difficult circumstances in uh, in Appalachia with all sorts of family dysfunction. And as I say, was was a fairly critically acclaimed book. Um, at one point, he was quite critical of Trump. He then abandoned that criticism as he positioned himself for a run for office. And he also, in due course, won the former president's endorsement and won the Republican primary. J.D. Vance should or would be expected, I should say, to win in Ohio, which is a state that has become more Republican-leaning in recent years. But he's in a very, very tight race against a Democratic congressman, Tim Ryan. And so uh, Vance's victory is by no means assured. And that, were Vance to lose, that would be quite a blow to Trump because of the fact that a Republican should carry that state. And if he didn't, there would be all sorts of questions asked about Trump's influence. Yeah, I mean, these people are proxies for Trumpism. Right. And we'll come on to Trumpism in a moment and its latest developments, which are very troubling. Herschel Walker, is he a former footballer? He is, uh, yes. He was very um, famous primarily in college football, which is, of course, I'm talking about American football rather than your kind of football here. But college football is huge in this country. And Herschel Walker was very uh, famous in his native Georgia, uh, extremely successful. He did go on to the NFL and played with with distinction, but not, not quite the same level of uh, sort of the, he was the best college player in the country at one stage. He has still retained a degree of celebrity, particularly in a state like Georgia where football's kind of a religion. Um, but some of his uh, answers to questions about the pressing issues of the day have been all over the place. There was a, I mean, his explanations of climate change in particular are just incredibly bizarre. Georgia, again, would be a state where Republicans could hope to gain uh, because it is still a fairly conservative state, even though President Biden carried it narrowly in 2020. But right now, the incumbent Democratic senator, the Reverend Raphael Warnock, is leading Walker in most polls by uh, a a little bit. Now, these are just three of the people who are Trump proxies and Mm. whose victory, I suppose, or defeat will alter the perspective on Donald Trump as a candidate himself in 2024. He has not declared one way or the other what he wants to do. And I note that Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the Senate, has expressed worry about, quote, candidate quality. This was widely seen as a jab at the Donald and the kind of people we've just been discussing, Mehmet Oz and Vance and Herschel Walker. So we know, don't we, Niall, 
that McConnell despises Trump. But we do. We also know that McConnell was thrilled to get three justices on the Supreme Court nominated by Trump and therefore likely to be conservative. Yes, and that is the bargain that Mitch McConnell made during the Trump presidency. He was not alone in making that kind of bargain. I think a lot of conservative voters, by which I mean, you know, genuinely conservative people, were pretty appalled by Donald Trump's history of personal conduct, but voted for him for the reason you mentioned, as well as some others, but particularly the fact that a president here can have enormous and lasting influence on the judiciary and therefore have enormous and lasting influence on some of the most divisive issues in American life. That bet of McConnell's did pay off in the sense of the judiciary, but he and Trump are still at loggerheads. And in fact, I, I perhaps should have mentioned this to you in some of our off-air conversations, Eamon. There was an instance just a few days ago where Trump, on his social media platform, of course he's banned from Twitter, but he has his own favoured social media platform. Called Truth? uh, Called Truth, Truth Social. (laughs) I like it. George Orwell, where are you? Exactly. And uh, after McConnell, basically he said that McConnell must have, and I quote here, a death wish. Uh, by supporting um, some legislation that Democrats also backed. And the invocation of the idea of a death wish, given where we are right now in this country, was seen rightly, I think, as a very ominous uh, term to use from Trump, who, of course, has his history of you know, telling yes. the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by and all of that. So, um, yes, that gives some indication of where the McConnell-Trump relationship is. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now, the other thing that is intriguing was a piece in yesterday's Washington Post, Niall, mm. in which the byline on it is Amy Gardner, a very respected journalist. And she pointed out, after extensive research, that a majority of Republican nominees, 299 in all, this is for the midterms, mm-hmm. deny the 2020 election results. And she found, Amy Gardner, when she went to research this, that a lot of people say that the dominance of these 299 people who don't believe Joe Biden is the legitimate president and believe that the election was stolen poses a threat to the country's democratic principles and jeopardizes the integrity of future votes. It's a very alarming piece. Niall, I must say, 299 of the Republican candidates do not believe. And speaking at a rally last Saturday, Donald Trump said the following. He told the rally, I don't believe we'll ever have a fair election again. I really, really don't. We're, we're, we're in deep trouble, Niall, if this trend continues, aren't we? We are, absolutely. That comment of Trump's at the rally, which I was watching as it happened, is indicative of where he stands on these things. And where he stands is the idea that if he loses elections or if his favoured candidate loses elections, that election is automatically rigged in his view, yes. that, that it cannot be accepted as legitimate if he or people whom he favours lose. That is a serious problem generally. You and I have spoken about it before, Eamon, in terms of, for example, the very large number of Republican voters who don't believe that Joe Biden is a legitimate president. A majority of them are of that view. You quite rightly know, and the the Washington Post piece is a very good piece, incidentally. Our audience might be interested if they wanted to have a look at it on the the Washington Post. But of those 299 candidates that you mentioned, it's a very rigorously researched piece. And the writer figures that of the 299, 174 are running in safely Republican seats and an additional 51 are running in tightly contested seats. So that means, I mean, what she's saying there is 174 people who don't believe the 2020 election was legitimate are going to be in some kind of office following elections in one month's time. That is an alarming scenario by anyone's reasonable standard and goes to so many of the issues that I think we have rightly emphasized about the hollowing out of uh, American democracy and American democratic norms in the recent past. Yes, and it's particularly relevant to future elections where if these people mostly win, and according to 
the journalists who researched this piece, Amy Gardner, they're likely to win. It will have implications for future elections because if their governors, lieutenant governors, secretary of state, attorney general, senate, and house members, they will hold a measure of power mm. in overseeing American elections in the future. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, they, mm. that that is the point. Many of them, they echo the, the false claims of President Trump. Mm. So they really don't believe that the president of the United States, Joe Biden, is has legitimate a legitimacy, and he shouldn't be there. So these aren't fringe guys with horns on their head storming the Capitol. These are candidates for the second of the two parties in the United States of America, the Republican Party. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not, not only are they not the guys with horns on their head, but these concerns that you identify about uh, elections and about them holding positions of power, these are not uh, abstract or hypothetical concerns. Just to cite <clears throat> one example where the line held, but by a narrow um, margin after the last election. We have mentioned this before, but it's worth re-emphasizing. In the state of Georgia, which we were just mentioning in the context of Herschel Walker, President Biden won very, very narrowly. And Donald Trump, after that result came in, but before Biden had been inaugurated, in fact, a few days before January the 6th, called the Secretary of State in Georgia, a man by the name of Brad Raffensperger, and instructed him or pushed him to, and I quote, find sufficient numbers of votes to overturn Biden's margin of victory. Raffensperger, to his credit, declined to do so, though he is himself a very conservative Republican. And And voted for Trump. Yes, I believe, I'm sure he did. He he said he has admitted that he, but... Uh, that he voted for Trump. Right, and was then threatened by him in this rather mafioso-like phone call. Now, my point really is that Raffensperger stood up on that occasion for the rule of law, essentially. I don't think it's hyperbole to say that. Now, if you replace people like him, you you won't replace him because he actually won his primary, but if you replace people in other states who hold that kind of office and you have people who are quiescent to Donald Trump's demands, you're in a very, very serious situation. And that's exactly the kind of situation that we're facing. Yes. Now, again, going back to the Washington Post piece, election denialism is a form of corruption, according to Ruth Van Geert, who is the author of Strongman Mussolini to the Present, an historian at New York University. Mm. She says the Republican Party has now institutionalized this form of lying, this form of rejection of results. So it has institutionalized illegal activity. These politicians, this is the 299, are essentially conspiring to make party dogma the idea that it's possible to reject certified results. In the short term, she goes on, that party dogma is likely to produce multiple election challenges this autumn from deniers who have lost. Mm. And it could, and this is crucial, poison the 20. 
2024 presidential race as well. So the idea here is that the United States of America is in a battle to the death almost to preserve its democratic institutions. Yes, and to preserve also public faith in those institutions, which has been hollowed out intentionally, in my view, by people who have an interest in undercutting that legitimacy. So, you know, we see this at the level that we're talking about here of elections and uh, Republican candidates. We're also seeing at the grassroots level People who volunteer to help uh, run elections, you know, people who volunteer as, uh, say, at polling stations to check names off a list, those people, depressingly, are becoming increasingly the target of harassment or conspiracy theories or other um, aggression toward them. And talking of poisoning the well, you know, American democracy, in terms of its uh, conduct of elections, A, it's very decentralized. You know, states and localities often have specific rules about poll opening times and so forth. But B, it has been run, you know, fairly successfully by just sort of local people, civic-minded people. I was going to say do-gooders, but that's a a derogatory term. Civic-minded people who think, well, we need somebody to run the poll, so I'm retired or I'm whatever, I'll go and do it. And if those people get in the firing line to uh, people who believe in the kind of dogma that that professor was just talking about, it really has very serious implications for the whole administration of democracy in this country. And that's why so many people are so alarmed by the situation in which we find ourselves. Yes, and she goes on to say that this is a disease that is spreading through our political process and its implications are very profound. This is no longer about Donald Trump. Mm. This is about the entire electoral system and what constitutes legitimate elections. All of that is now up in the air. And as you say, many people in in the United States now are very, very worried, and some are very alarmed that democracy, as it's been known, is slipping away. Just to consider the implications of that, Niall, and, and these 299 that have been identified by the Washington Post, deniers who are running, if the United States of America had stood idly by or decided not to interfere in Putin's war in the Ukraine, that war would now be over. Mm. And arguably, Putin would be in Moldova or Poland or wherever, or Lithuania or other Baltic states, wherever he wanted to go. Mm. So would you agree, and do the American people understand, Biden and the American administration have been magnificent in rallying NATO, in overcoming whatever divisions were in NATO and in Europe, and also in funding and supporting the Ukrainian people in their efforts to fight the war. And they are winning in large measure now, the Ukraine, because of the United States of America. Yes. The question I have for you is, what would these deniers, and Trump in particular, because he's the most likely to be perhaps back in the White House, 
What would he be doing right now? Not very much, I, I suspect. I, I mean, the there's a couple of things there. Firstly, the United States, as you rightly say, has been absolutely central to buttressing Ukraine and to yes. preventing it from being overrun by Russia. I know that there is in Ireland and elsewhere, a lot of criticism often about the United States foreign policy record, and some of those criticisms are very legitimate. But it also acts and has acted historically as a counterweight to some truly appalling uh, regimes in various parts of yes, indeed, the world. and has done some truly appalling things. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and and its record in Latin yes. America and in Southeast Asia, in particular, Vietnam, yes, ca- course, catastrophic. Yeah. You know, Vietnam, all of that. Yeah. But the point, I guess, that I'm making is that Vladimir Putin would be likely uh, advancing. He would certainly have advanced through Ukraine had it not been for the United States leading the assistance there. And the United States does still serve as a counterweight, not just to Russia, but to China, which is a, a blatantly autocratic regime. I mean, there's no, there's no question uh, about that. So if you had people of a more isolationist tendency, such as Mr. Trump in power, it stands to reason that they would not take the kind of view that President Biden has taken. And they are, Trump in particular, skeptical of multilateral alliances generally and of the United States traditional role as the not just the leader of the West, but but a country that can assemble coalitions around it. Then you add to that and this is very specific to Trump, his peculiar relationship with Vladimir Putin, his peculiar attitude toward him. And it seems inconceivable that the past months since February when Russia invaded would have proceeded along anything even resembling the same track uh, that they have done. That's worth pausing for thought. Mm. A final question, Niall, before I let you go. I read this week that the Supreme Court is back in action. Its decision on the Roe v. Wade abortion issue has had a strong reaction from women, and many women are more likely now to go out and vote, we understand, and to vote Democrat, we understand. Mm -hmm. So maybe you could confirm that or not. But the other thing is, I'm led to believe from what I've read that they're now about to go after other things like gay rights and, and stuff like that. Is that true? So, two things. It is true that, that the abortion decision, which was announced in late June, appears to have boosted Democrats' political chances, even though, of course, the decision itself was a big defeat for, for liberals and liberalism. The striking down of the constitutional guarantee of a right to abortion has clearly energized female voters, and you see it in the polls where Democrats closed the gap that Republicans had enjoyed in the weeks after that decision. In terms of the Supreme Court and what it does next, it is back for its new term. It does have a 6-3 conservative majority. Three of those justices were nominated by former President Trump. The issue right now, the issues that has been considering this week have touched on things like the fairness of certain uh, voting practices in the in the right. South, where there's a 
suggestions of racial um, discrimination by not not in the blatant sense, but by uh, sort of subtle means. the The issue of gay rights. I mean, there there is a case uh, of a uh, person who runs a website company and refused to use her website for uh, same sex marriages. So that kind of topic is in play. But just to finish that point, Eamon, I think the reason that people get particularly concerned about issues such as gay rights is that in the uh, the decision that struck down Roe versus Wade, um, one of the justices made the argument that if Roe v. Wade had been incorrectly decided, as he held that it had, that would then have implications for a number of other yes. measures, including uh, the right to same-sex marriage, even the implication that it could have some uh, effect on the right to contraception. Now, in practical terms, banning contraception, I mean, there would be there would be uproar about it. But it just goes to show where the court is right now in terms of its ideological uh, leanings. And where the country may be heading... Mm if there are more Trump victories. Niall, thank you very much indeed for joining us today. That's Niall Stanich. Niall is Associate Editor of The Hill. We're grateful to Niall, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.